before we start, we want to say a quick thank you to Wharton Fintech's Platinum Sponsor, the Stevens Center for Innovation in Finance. The Stevens Center is a premier research, education, and thought leadership institution in the world for financial technology. and welcome to the Wharton Fintech Podcast. I'm your host, Miguel Armasa. Our guest today is Inigo Rumayor, co-founder and chief revenue officer of Arcus, the leading platform making fintech possible for everyone in Latin America. The company's fintech as a service platform has helped firms launch a fintech business across the Americas, including BVA, Santander Bank, Walmart, 7-Eleven, and Rappi. Based in New York City, Arcus has raised over $60 million from leading VCs, including Y Combinator, Ignea, Maverick Ventures, and Winklevoss Capital. Prior to Arcus, Inigo worked at Morgan Stanley and Rumayor Genetics and graduated from the University of Pennsylvania. And now let's listen to a great conversation with Inigo Rumayor. Well, welcome. Inigo, and welcome to the Wharton Fintech podcast. We are excited to have you, and we're excited to have a Wharton alum on the show. Can we get started by hearing a little bit about your personal background? Yes, thank you very much for having me, Miguel. It's a pleasure to be here. So a little bit on myself. My name is Inigo Romayor, and I'm originally from the north of Mexico, a small town called Saltillo. And I got the opportunity to come to the U.S. to study at the University of Pennsylvania. And then while I was at UPenn, I had the pleasure and the opportunity to meet Adricio, who was doing his MBA. And then we decided to start Regali, who then evolved to Arcus. And would love to, to tell him a little bit more about the story. Excellent, excellent. And how did you guys meet? Because typically undergrads and MBAs don't really hang out a lot. Was it through a class that you met? And how did that conversation start that eventually led to joining forces to launch a company? Yeah, so it was a really funny story. Uh, so basically, we met through La Casa Latina. And basically, I was doing my work study there. And Idrisio was pitching what was back then Regali at one of the events. And then after I saw him pitch and the idea... I kind of wanted to join, so I sent him an, an email, and we went for a coffee chat, and then since then, we've been working together for, for some years now. So um, it was a great experience because, as you said, I had the opportunity to be exposed to a lot of what was going on in the MBA for entrepreneurship. So we went to a lot of the founders clubs, initiatives, and all these different things. So I had the opportunity to kind of see that part of the MBA experience. Got it. And so the business model and even the name of the company was a different one when, when you joined uh, Edricio. Tell us a little bit about the evolution of the company and, and also about the evolution of the business model. Yes. So, I mean, we started the company to do cross-border bill payment. So that's when it was named Regali. And the idea of the business was, instead of sending money, you could pay the family, your family's bills. 
all in one single application. So we built this API that connected to bill payment providers in more than 10 countries. And we will sell that API to remittance companies. So the idea is if you're Dominican and you're Mexican or you're Latino, we even did it for the Philippines, you could connect to this API and you can send payments or pay the family, your family bills. And after we connected to a lot of these legacy players in all the different countries, we started to realize that the infrastructure needed legacy players were not doing any innovation on their platforms. So we couldn't really get all the value that we wanted or provide all the services to people outside their country to pay their bills. So we were forced to build our own infrastructure. And as we started to build our own infrastructure first in Mexico, we started to see that the opportunity was much larger. And by building this new infrastructure that allow any business to launch a fintech business, we could tap much larger market. So we started to focus on that. And that's what we're doing now, looking to help any business launch a fintech business. Got it. How long did it take you to make that pivot? I think that it took us longer than we wanted. And I think it's one of the hardest parts about being an entrepreneur, because on one side, you need to be resilient. So you have this idea, you need to believe that it's going to work because everyone's going to tell you that you're thinking incorrectly. So it took us around, I'll say like two years where we were kind of exhausting all the different opportunities because a lot of the times you need to run tests with incomplete information and you need to make those decisions for, because for example, you launch a campaign, you don't know if it's about, you don't have enough marketing dollars and that's why you're not really getting the word out or you don't know if it's because your web page looks sketchy. Like you don't know all these different things. So you need to make educated guesses. And for us, as we were getting more information and we were kind of also understanding better the fintech industry and talking a lot to our clients, we started to see that there was a bigger opportunity. So we started to invest a little bit of resources and then suddenly we saw that those resources were producing more. So we decided to shift gears and focus on providing or creating this infrastructure for fintech in Latin America. And again, it's, it's hard because three years ago, you will talk about fintech in Latin America and everyone thought that you were crazy. So now it's like attractive. So sometimes it takes time to make those decisions. I think you need to get better as an entrepreneur to make those decisions and make those bets. Got it. Yeah. And tell us a little bit about the early days of your approach to building out uh, not just the initial team, but also the technology. I understand that you are US-based company, but you serve obviously the Latin American market, and you also have an employee base in, in Latin America. So you're a continental company, but uh, we'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, so for us, I mean, something we're really proud of is that we're really diverse. So we have people all over the world. And yeah, I think that when we started the company, one of our biggest challenges, like everyone from Penn, you don't know much about technology. So at the beginning, we didn't, like, we had these ideas of what we wanted to do, but we didn't really know that much about how to implement them. So there was a lot of trial and error to really understand and be able to communicate with our engineering team and also being able to understand what we needed to build what type of technology, what is it that we were looking to do and what things we were not going to do. So that took us uh, some time. 
eventually we were able to attract and create a really good team. And we also, we're really proud that a big portion of our team is in Mexico. So there's a lot of really good engineering talent in Latin America. And again, being a U.S. company, you can be more competitive. You can offer people the opportunity to come to the U.S. to serve U.S. clients or Latin American clients. So you can provide a really attractive opportunity. So we've been able to build a really strong team across the U.S. and Latin America. But it takes time. I would say it's one of the hardest things to do. (laughs) How would you describe your company culture? So we work a lot in creating a good company culture. So for us, we try to, in the past, I thought it was crazy to focus that much time on that. But the, the more you grow, you need to make sure that people understand what your company stands for. And that will attract the right people to join the company. So for us, we created uh, different core values where kind of we have these in Slack, uh, Hey Taco channel. I'm a big supporter of Hey Taco, where if anyone kind of helps another team member, you can give them a taco as a like, team player. And we have other ones that is basically get shit done. If you do something that is hard and kind of you have grit, we, you get tacos. And then we have a winner every week. So that kind of is a way to show and use that as a way to show the company what is it that the, the company values and what type of values you need to represent to kind of succeed at the company. And then eventually make sure that when you're looking to hire people that they represent or they value those same values as you because that's kind of is going to make a more cohesive value that you're kind of what you're trying to achieve. How big is the team today? So we're close to 60 people. We've grown a lot during the last two years. And yeah, we're looking to grow even more the team. Great. Now let's shift gears a little bit and talk about your customers, right? Uh, Tell us a little bit about who your typical customer is and what's your main value proposition. We have a broad range of clients. So we have clients that are neobanks in Mexico, in Latin America. We also have traditional banks for banks. And especially now with COVID, all of them need to improve their digital experience, especially because the branches were closed and might remain closed. So then you also have retailers. You have that a lot in Latin America that retailers are also banks or provide financial services. So these retailers want to improve how they provide these financial services to their clients via digital experience. So some of our clients include Walmart, Rappi, 7-Eleven, Liverpool, and different banks like Santander. And we're helping them create a kind of launch fintech products or improve their existing products for the digital channels that they provide to their clients. So you kind of have off-the-shelf financial products that they can plug in and use your APIs to connect. Yes, correct. Our goal is to, through a simple API, remove all the complexity of launch these products. And when you look at banks, they have a big backlog of things they want to launch and building building everything themselves is going to take them a long time. So they can partner with us and we can, with a simple API integration, we can provide these services for them. So you give them a lot of agility and speed to launch different solutions. Understood. And what about your 
partnerships with the up and coming fintechs uh, around Latin America. So you mentioned you have some new banks. We're undergoing through a wave of innovation and we're seeing multiple companies on a weekly basis come up, uh, not just in Mexico, but all all over Latin America. Are you becoming an important partner in the ecosystem? Yes, I mean, we like to think so. Again, when you look at launching a neobank or a fintech service, like we believe, uh, like many people now, that every business is going to become a fintech business. And when you look at Latin America, neobanks have a really good opportunity because the majority of the population is on bank. And there's another big portion that is under bank. So if you can provide solutions for all these customers that are digital, you can go to customers and you can serve customers where in the past it was impossible because the infrastructure didn't exist. So we're looking to provide even a small fraction of that infrastructure. So anyone who wants to launch a fintech business can do it by partnering with a couple of companies and they can do it in a cost-efficient manner and with the right speed. Because in the past, and almost all the big fintechs like Nubank and some of the other big fintechs that exist, all of them were forced to build all their infrastructure. And we believe that that is not cost-efficient or, again, the right use of time. You should focus on your core. And we want to provide some of that infrastructure to all the different players. You're almost becoming a necessary company as a fintech ecosystem evolves, right? Because if you look at the U.S., when you launch a, a new bank, there are five must partners that you have to have, right? And then those are kind of standardized and founders really know where to look. And like you mentioned, a lot of time that wasn't the case, but it's interesting to see that now as the ecosystem evolves, you know, we are seeing a similar solutions in Latin America as the U.S. What's your take of the Latin American fintech ecosystem overall, right? I mean, it's definitely evolved, but it's not at the level of, you know, say the UK or the US, you know, what, what is needed for it to really come out with its full potential? I mean, I think it's a really exciting space and region. When you look at the US, kind of a lot of different players or, or the game is already won. When you look at Europe or the UK, similar to Asia, I think For us, what we see is that Latin America is the next region where kind of there's big opportunities, right? So you start to see a lot of different U.S. players going to the region because they see this massive opportunity that we see where there's a big need from customers that need digital solutions and fintech solutions. There's not good infrastructure. So you need to build both the infrastructure and then go and educate the customers and provide these solutions. So we believe the opportunity is massive. I think right now is the time to make those investments and capture that opportunity. So that's why for us is we're being really aggressive to make sure that we build that infrastructure as fast as possible because I think the time is now for Latin America. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about the elephant in the room, which is the COVID-19 crisis. How have you navigated as a company this crisis and also... How has it affected your clients? For us, when, we all, when all of this started, we actually wrote a blog piece on the role of fintech that can play in the, in the crisis. For us, what we've seen is all these different players that we mentioned are looking to prioritize their digital initiatives. In the past, it was an option 
it was okay, let me see if I improve the branches or do digital. I think now when you look at the resources for all of our clients, the biggest priority is how do you improve the digital solutions that you have and you provide. And for us, we have different clients that include banks, retailers, digital wallets. Many of them use us like Rappi for uh, mobile bill pay solutions that allows people to pay all their different bills without leaving their houses. And we actually saw a big increase of transactions in the first months of COVID. Got it. And how do you envision the road ahead for Arcus? Are you looking at the rest of the region? I mean, Latin America on one end is a big market, but on the other end it has multiple jurisdictions that you have to navigate. What's uh, down the road for Arcus? Yeah, for us, as I said before, our mission is to make fintech possible for everyone. So for every business, for every consumer to have fintech solutions at their fingertips. And our strategy is to continue to create and expand these fintech as a service solutions that we offer our clients. So one of them is our cash to digital solution. We have more than 60 points of sale in Mexico and we're providing the solution to fintech so customers can go and use this point of sale as deposit points of sale where they can put money into the digital system and then they can spend it. One of the big issues that we see is that if you open a digital wallet and all the consumers have cash, you need to offer them a bridge to enter the digital ecosystem. So we're providing that bridge that allows all these digital wallets to access a network where they can deposit cash. And yeah, I mean, for us, we see, we're looking to expand to other countries. We believe that there's a need to have a regional player that provides all this infrastructure, no matter where the country that you want to launch. And eventually when you see, when you think about the big companies, they always think about Mexico, Chile, Colombia as the same thing, even though uh, being Latin American, you know that there are different countries, different regulation. But at the end of the day, people want to conquer the region. So we believe there's a massive opportunity to provide this infrastructure across the countries. Excellent, excellent. Inigo, we have quite a few listeners who are either current entrepreneurs or they aspire to be one. You have been in the front lines of building a company from scratch. I'm sure our listeners would love to hear some of your lessons and reflections as an entrepreneur. Yeah, I mean, for me, apart from the obvious ones, I think it's about being passionate about the problem. I think you're going to be thinking about the same problem for many years. And you're going to be thinking about a problem that a lot of people don't think is exciting. So for us, when we were looking to do stuff in Latin America, nobody was listening, but we were passionate about it. We knew that the opportunity was there. So choosing the right problem that you will want to spend all your days and weeks thinking about it, I think is key because then uh, you're really excited about trying to solve that problem. And to solve the problem, you need to try it in different angles like we've done. And yeah, it's about choosing an industry that you love. For us, for it's fintech. And we believe that fintech is just getting started. And we really like to kind of learn more about the industry and different ways that you can solve the, the same problem. Great. Well, Inigo, before we go, we always like to ask a little bit about the personal side of our guests. We'd love to showcase some of the activities you do outside of work. And I know COVID 
might have shifted it a little bit, but still, uh, tell us a little bit about your hobbies. Yeah, I mean, for me, usually it's work, but I like to go to run and listen to podcasts and audibles. So this is pretty exciting what, what you're doing and always love to, to listen to all these different podcasts to try to learn and go walk. Right now with COVID in New York, going to, for a run, is, it's amazing. You will never see the city empty again. So trying to enjoy that. Excellent. Well, I, I do hope that the Wharton Fintech podcast is on that list. Inigo, <laughs> sure. thank you again for joining us. Uh, it's been very, very interesting learning about what you're doing, what you and Adricio are doing. And we look forward to a lot of success coming from you and from the Arcus team. And also, we hope to see you around campus sometime soon. For sure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Wharton Fintech Podcast. If you like the show, please consider leaving us a review or letting us know in the comments. If you want more content from our Fintech community, please subscribe to our podcast channel and find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and the rest of social media at Wharton Fintech. You will find interviews, articles, videos, and much more analyzing all aspects of the industry. Signing off, I'm your host, Miguel Armasa.